Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Mike's on. He's ready to go. On the fan. New York Sports Radio. Mike's on. Mike's on. All right, we come to you on this uh, June 30th on this Tuesday night, brought to you by Casamigas Tequila, as always, brought to you by those who drink it as we say goodbye to the month of June and we get ready for the month of July. Always a nice thought, a thought of uh, summer months to come, 4th of July weekend and everything else, knowing that, yeah, ready for July and August, except this year it's going to be uh, a very different July, and it's also going to be a whole lot of waiting because you're going to be sitting around waiting for weeks now to hope and see if these leagues can actually get underway and by the time the end of the month comes, have baseball, hockey, and basketball back in action. Obviously, in different forms than we're used to seeing, but back in action all the same. But we're a long way from there. And uh, if anything, these last couple of days have not been you know, very inspiring in terms of uh, coming away with a positive thought. You know, Adam Silver was a very, very important person. Not just in terms of sports, but in terms of our culture. Because what he did with the NBA was stop it cold. He was the first one to really stop any major entity in this country when he shut down the NBA. That caused a complete movement in every facet of American life. But the NBA was out at the forefront, and Adam Silver was right there. I bring him up because today... As he watches the Nuggets close facilities, the Nets have a player test positive, three Pelicans test positive, players talking anxiously about going to Florida. Silver stated, we're on track, but this virus may stop us again. And as he says that, Dr. Fauci, who we all remember, all right, who's been kind of ushered to the sidelines in recent weeks, He was on Capitol Hill today and said, we are now having 40-plus thousand new cases a day. I would not be surprised if it goes up to 100,000, he stated, 
100,000 cases. Asked if the pandemic is under control, he said, I am not satisfied with what's going on because we're headed in the wrong direction. If you look at the curves of the new cases, we've got to do something about it, and we need to do it quickly. Clearly, we are not in control right now. He said, I can't make an accurate prediction about the number of cases and the number of deaths that we will see in the months to come, but it's going to be very, very disturbing. I guarantee you that. The players hear this. The players see this. They see the numbers every day. They see that last weekend the golfers have seven, seven different cases. And that's just on a weekend of golf. We've seen every, every sports entity that has tried to open have problems or have to shut down immediately. Nobody has said, wow, this is a lot easier than I... Not one team in any sport who has gotten together in any way has said, you know, this is a lot easier than I thought it would be. This is real. I mean, I can't believe how smooth this is. You haven't heard that once, not once anywhere in any sport. The NFL has told players not to work out together, even though Tom Brady slummed his nose at it, which is pretty stupid of Tom to even get involved in that. Okay, I don't know what his point was. But the point is they've even told NBA NFL players not to work out together. It's gotten to that level. We are not ahead of the curve here on this thing. Look at the numbers. It's just different states. Okay? And it's a younger group now because what's happened is a lot of the younger generations went out and said, I don't have to worry about this. And in a lot of cases, they're right. Even if they get it, they don't get severe cases. But they bring it home. And they actually are multipliers. That's the case. They're multipliers in the, in the community, in the culture. And you're seeing the numbers now grow astronomically in these states that just basically said, you know, a couple of weeks ago, people said, look at Florida. How great was Florida? What a model Florida was. That's unbelievable. I even said, you know, uh, to people, wow, I shouldn't have probably gone down to Florida. Look how great Florida is. Turns out, not so great. Florida's got a crisis now. So does Texas. So does Arizona. It's just different states now. What was in New York and New Jersey and Massachusetts and Illinois and Michigan is now in different parts of the country. So the question that really you ask as you head from June to July is, can we get there? Baseball is going to open up the 23rd with the Yankees and the Nationals. Basketball is going to open up the 31st. We don't have a date yet. We have phase three for hockey if they get there the 10th, but we don't have a date yet for the opening of the season, late in the month of July sometime. Can we get through the next three to three and a half to four weeks and still be on track to open? That's the question now. We all want it to happen. We all want to see sports again. We all want to see some sense of normalcy. We all want to see the stores open. We all want to get out of the house. We all want to get traveling. We all want to get back on planes and go places. And I understand all that. Everybody does. Not some people. Everybody does. Everybody's life has been changed. Everybody's life has been put on hold. 
I understand that. We all understand it. But as sports tries to make its way back here, this has been anything but easy. As a matter of fact, it's been incredibly disruptive. And as Silver, who is among among the commissioners by far the one who is more tied in to what's going on in the world than the others by far. He was the first one to stop something, and there he is again saying, hey, you know what? I'm going to tell you that today we're on track, but I'm very worried about what's going on. When he looks at his league today and he sees the Nuggets and he sees the Pelicans and he sees the Nets and he sees what's going on, he should be worried. And then you hear from Fachi, and he says, hey, we're not there by any stretch of the imagination. Don't think we are. Do not think we are. Do not think we're through this. We're not even close. 100,000 cases a day, he told Congress. Today. This was today he said this. That is an astronomical number. And you wonder what's going to happen. And, hey, you're seeing players start to peel off slowly, slowly, and start to get worried and bring up certain. And you know what? They all have a right to be worried about their health and about their family and about what they bring home. That is very fair. None of that's unfair. If a player feels that way, hey, you have to understand that. Nobody's going to get on a player for not playing. So we are going to have here, starting tomorrow, three and a half weeks or four weeks of waiting and hoping that everything heads in the right direction and that we do get this thing somewhat under control. Because right now, on June 30th, July 23rd looks a long, long way away. Back after this. All right, we're back here on this uh, Tuesday evening. You know, there's this story uh, come out of Vegas, and it's a, this is an old story. Uh, it's not a new story, but it's one that crops up every once in a while, and it's a very simple answer. It really is. Basically what happened is, and now that you have machineries involved more than people, and you can bet on apps and you bet at kiosks and stuff like that, you can put bets in, and they have to have the betting software set up the security of it that, that it closes when the game start. And in this case, it didn't. And the, they took these wages on Korean baseball, okay? And in essence, they're out about a quarter of a million dollars because they got past po- what they call pass posted. It used to happen all the time in horse racing years ago when the information age was not caught up and then the security caught up to it, okay? Where if you can wager, even get a bet down when the horses have jumped 10 feet out of the gate, you have an advantage. Not in every race, but in some races. If you play over, do that a majority of times, you'll you'll get an edge. What happened though is these guys were betting a you know, a 10-leg parlay, and using games in a lot of the parlay that were closed an hour and a half ago. 
So, they, I mean, they had games where they're betting overs, where the over on the total is eight, and the seven runs scored in the first two innings of these games. And they expect to get paid because they think, wait, we didn't do anything wrong. It was open. What did we know? You knew. See, to me, when you gamble, you understand that you don't expect to get anything expect the game on the level. You know when you gamble and you're past posting somebody that you are doing something wrong. If you think you can get away with it and they don't catch you, that you think, oh, it's on them and I should get paid, no, you shouldn't get paid. They should shut it down and you shouldn't even get your money back, okay? Maybe they'll give you your money back because they want to do a nice gesture, but I wouldn't even do that because to me it's just so wrong that if you're wagering and you're trying to cheat somebody on the way, and that's all you're trying to do because you know that if you're putting a wager in and if you do that now on – if you like did that now on most of these sites, they would just say, "Hey, here's what time the game started. Here's when we took the wager. You knew when you knew the game started. Why are you trying to beat us that way? We had obviously a malfunction, but you know it's just wrong. There's an ethics to it, so you shouldn't expect to get paid on those wages. You know, it's not like, oh, the store made a mistake on the price or something. You know, it's, it, it, it said five ninety nine. so that's what I paid, and really it should have been, you know, twenty nine ninety nine. Okay, something like that. You might have really thought, somebody might have really thought the price was five ninety nine, But on this, you're wagering on a game that started an hour and 45 minutes ago, and you're still you know, putting in your bet. You know that you're gaming them. You know that there's a malfunction in their machinery, and one they're going to catch. And when they did catch it, and that's what the gaming commission will do, they'll void the bet. That's all. And they should. You shouldn't go into a wager thinking that you're going you know, to get Christmas here, and you're going to get the bet when the games are over. I mean, come on now. How long are those people going to stay in business if that's the way it works? Fair is fair. You shouldn't get beat out of a bet when things are right your way, and they shouldn't get beat out of it when they have a malfunction. I mean, that's outrageous to think you should get paid on something like that when you're making wages, you know, an hour and, four, an hour and 45 minutes after the game starts. I mean, they have, they have time slips on the bets that are, you know, an hour and 45 minutes after the game starts. It's crazy. So I, I don't know how, know how anybody would ever, ever expect to get paid on something like that. Um. Carl Reiner died today. Now, some of you might not remember Carl Reiner. Some of you probably do. That's Rob Reiner's father, who was a comedian. He also was a guy who created some very important shows. He also was a force behind certain movies, uh, different movies and stuff. He also did a lot of work with Mel Brooks. Carl Reiner lived to be 98 years old. And he created the legendary Dick Van Dyke show which I don't know if you've ever seen, but I grew up on the Dick Van Dyke show, okay? And a lot of people my age grew up on the Dick Van Dyke show, which was created and written, and he actually had a part in it because he played what was really... See, he was a writer on the Sid Caesar show, and he recreated the idea of having to work for this real tough comic boss with a new cast with Dick Van Dyke as the head writer. His wife was... Mary Tyler Moore, who he helped launch along with Danny Thomas, who was the producer of the show. Uh, Danny Thomas had – she had actually 
Mary Tyler Moore had, had auditioned to be one of Danny Thomas's kids on Danny Thomas's sitcom, except Danny Thomas said to her, I love you, but you're too pretty to be my daughter. So he didn't pick her. But he remembered her, so he told uh, Carl Reiner about her, and that's who they used as Laura Petrie, and she obviously became not only a big star then, but a legendary, legendary star in Mary Tyler Moore. Dick Van Dyke, Mary Tyler Moore. I mean, so it was a great, great comedy. And he played Alan Brady, who was the uh, star of the show and very hard to please and a guy that, you know, was very, you know, you know, very paranoid about everything and everything else. He didn't have a very large role. He was kind of just in a couple of scenes, but he was there as a force on the show. And it was one of the great sitcoms ever. So he passed away today at the age of, how about that, 98 how good is that? If you do 98, you did a great job. You really did. So uh, uh, I'll never forget that show because uh, like a lot of us, if you're a baby boomer, you remember you remember the Dick Van Dyke show. And like most of America, you had a crush on Mary Tyler Moore, which almost everybody did in those days. And you remember how talented Dick Van Dyke was as he, as he has been through all these years and has, you know, had a, had a very long and distinguished career in his own right. So uh, a lot of people off that show did. So he's gone today at the age of 98. I'll come back with your calls after this. You know, you hear about all the different uh, debate about what should be changed on statues and everything and plaques and everything. And now there's been talk of taking Kennesaw Mountain Landis' name off the MVP. That one is a no-brainer. No one even knew his name was on. Half the, I, I guarantee you 9 out of 10 fans didn't even know his name was on the MVP award. So, I mean, it's the MVP award. It's not the Landis award. I mean, so, yes, his name is on there, but no one even, you have to have the award in your hand to know his name is on the award. No one ever knew his name was on the award. They don't call it by his name. So that is one where there's no branding there to begin with. That's an inside baseball one. You'd have to have the award on your, on your, on your wall to even know that Landis' name is on the darn thing. No one even knew it. You have to look at it, you got to look at a picture of it up close to realize that Landis' name is on there. And Landis, as you know, was brought in to clean up baseball after the Black Sox handle. They gave him unlimited power. They gave him a lifetime job. They gave him unlimited power. He didn't have to answer to anybody. He got incredible uh, power at the time because they were worried that the sport was going to fall apart because of the whole scandal with the Black Sox. And uh, he clearly was against black players playing in the major leagues. So I have no problem taking his name off the award. Like I said, no one even knew it was on there. It's the MVP award. That one, you, you could have done it and not told anybody. and No one even would have known it. Bob in Pennsylvania, what's up, Bob? Hey, Mike, I was wondering whether you think deep down these uh, pro athletes really want to go through with this. With I think this. a lot of them are worried. I think a lot of them, I think they want their money. 
Uh, I, I think a lot of them want to play their sport. They want to play their game. I think it's what they do. It's how they express themselves. But I think they're very worried. I think they are, yeah. And some of them that have conditions where they might have a wife who's pregnant or they might have a wife who's – or someone in their household who's uh, susceptible uh, or has a pre-existing condition or something like that. And I think that a lot of them are worried about this. They're worried about the unknown like everybody else is. Yeah, you know, it's such a it's such a, uh, a a disease that's unpredictable. But my mom is in a nursing home in Westchester, uh, and they had, uh, as of two weeks ago, 51 uh, 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 residents with the disease. And every one of them ha- has recovered, and there's nobody there under 85 years of age. And so, you know, well, what, what, what yeah, but that does it. But again, that, that I, I can't answer to that. Uh, all I can go with is the statistics that are across the country. You know, now, are we having fewer people dying who are infected? Absolutely, because younger people are definitely being infected now. There's no question about that. That is the uh, recent especially out West, the recent numbers have been much younger than the original numbers. No question that's been the case. Now, uh, and they're going to recover more. Now, it's still dangerous for people in... It's more dangerous than than anybody thought for people who are in their 40s and 50s. Uh, and it's still dangerous for anybody who's older because uh, when you get it, when it takes a grip on you, it's it's a problem. I mean, that's the thing. The doctors, you know, that I've talked to say, when it does dig in, it is. It, they they have no answers. I mean, they they really don't, and they don't know who it's going to dig in on, or don't, or they or they don't know who it's going to dig in on. It's just, they just don't know. That's all there is to it. That's why they, you know, it's been very puzzling for them and very hard to deal with. And talking to anybody who has been. In a, in a hospital that was overrun by this, they say it's the worst thing they've ever seen. So uh, no one wants to fool around with it. So I, I understand yeah. that. I mean, I, that, that, that I think is very fair. I, I just don't understand why they're not taking Fauci any more serious. I mean, he's he's telling it like it is. You know. Well, uh, I think that, listen, I, I, he's not asking anybody to shut down anything. He's asking them to be careful. He's asking them to wear masks. He's actually saying that we should be designing better masks, that the mask should be part of what we do right now, and that social distancing should be part of what we're doing. He's not asking anybody to shut anything down. He's just saying if we don't take better steps, we're going to pay for it. And listen, he's a very smart man. I mean, the problem is it's become, the problem is it's a political year and it has yeah. become a political issue, and that is a nightmare for this country that it's become a political issue. It, it really, yeah. uh, because then it's too, oh, he's wrong, he's right, he's wrong. So now the Democrats like Fauci, and the Republicans don't like Fauci. So I mean, this is where it's gotten silly. I mean, he's a doctor. I mean, that's that. that he's a scientist. He he's not a political figure. So and, and he doesn't have any political disposition. But of course. You won't hear that. You'll hear that he definitely does. Or that's where it gets crazy. Thanks for the call, um, Charles and Teaneck. What's up, Charles? Hey, Mike. Yes. Yeah. Um, so with the universal DH and the MOB now, how much longer do you think David Wright's career would have been if they would have had it in his time? And what other players do you think would have benefited from it? Uh, anybody who could, uh, you know, get off the bench. Uh, thanks for the call. Anybody who could get off the bench and get a couple of swings who's a good hitter would benefit from it. That's basically it. Uh, but I don't think David was in good enough shape to even hit. 
to be honest with you. I I I think it's going to help. It's going to help the keep around the player who just doesn't have any wheels anymore, who can still go to the plate and hit. Hey, it's going to help. It's going to help players, you know, who are injury prone, sluggers who are injury prone, sluggers who get hurt when they go in the outfield, sluggers who get hurt when you have to put them in a position. Those guys, when you put them in four at-bats a game, they have a better chance of staying healthy. You know, it's a lot less wear and tear on their bodies. You know, it's going to help keep a Miguel Cabrera around. It's going to help keep anybody like that around, you know, uh, more and more. It's going to help keep guys in the National League who haven't been in that position before. I mean, that, that's what you expected to do, keep around players. But you, listen, you still got to be able to go to the plate and hit. And if you can't get around on the fastball, it's not going to help you. But it can help, you know, it would have helped. It would have been perfect for a Mickey Mantle because he had such leg problems and he could still have tremendous power. It would have been perfect for him in his later years because he, you know, he had, he played first base and he played it okay, but he wasn't extremely mobile over there. And you had to make sure you put the throw in the right spot because, you know, he was going to have trouble stretching. He was going to have trouble, you know, really going down and getting the ball and digging it out of the dirt, stuff like that. Uh, you know, he wasn't going to be doing too many splits over there at first base. I mean, that kind of stuff. So, uh, it, obviously, any of those guys would have been helped by that. It's going to help anybody who's got bad wheels and is getting a little older who can still swing the bat. Joe in Brooklyn, what's up, Joe? Hey, Mike. How's yes, Joe. Thing? Good, what's up? Uh, quick, quick, quick thing. With the whole uh, issue of the COVID and the Major League Sports team owners worried that the season might start and stop and not even begin at all for the NFL, I mean, wouldn't it be prudent for the owners to create a fund to actually uh, – help some of these pharmaceutical companies. And I'm not talking about the big pharmaceutical companies. I'm talking about the small ones that have uh, new age type drugs that are uh, being tested. None of them have a financial, none of these ones that have shown promise, Joe, have a financial problem. It's not a financial issue. It's an issue of getting it through the phases that have to be followed before you're going to present a vaccine, you have to make sure that it's something you can give the human beings. You have to go through very, very stringent protocols before you're going to give it to somebody. So it's uh, there's funding out there. The government will fund something that's promising right now. They don't need the NFL. I mean, the government's got plenty of money, and there's plenty of companies out there that will join with these other companies. Every time there's a promising any promising finding, that company's getting what it needs to go forward. It's just that it takes a lot of time but to do the, these protocols. There seems to be a big disconnect between the smaller pharmaceutical companies that have promising drugs for it. I don't know that. I don't. I don't know. I, I haven't heard that at all. I have not heard that there's a that these companies are out there and they have major breakthroughs and they can't get funding. I have not. Thanks. I, 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 I have. I have not. Well, go I ahead, name them. Name them. I mean, Innovation Pharmaceuticals is one. They have brilocidin that it just showed at George Mason University is an right. RBL of, uh, I think it's a level three right. or four lab. And right. they actually uh, are doing right. the testing on brilocidin. And it's showing that it kills ninety-seven percent. So how do you know they don't? Yeah, but that's but it has not been tried on human beings yet. It has. It Wait has. a second. What phase are they in? 
It has for other. What phase are they in? So you tell. Wait, wait a second. Wait a second. What are you saying? It's a drug that's been used on humans before. Then how's it been cleared? Do you be used on humans? It hasn't been through phase three because they don't have the funding. That's a typical small pharmaceutical company. No, I, I, wait, wait, wait. Now, come on. Listen, listen. This is way out of our... Listen, there has been funding done all over the world for these things, all over the world. So if there's anything that right now is out there, then thanks for the call, that is on any kind of track and showing any real promise, it will be gobbled up by investors in two seconds. It's happened everywhere. It's happened all over the world. But you still have to wait until they go through protocols. You have to go through studies. You have to go through major population studies. You're talking about it's got to go to thousands and thousands of people before it can be, can be deemed to be safe. That's why the ones that have been advanced already, whether it's the one in London uh, uh, you know, that, that is uh, supposedly ahead of everything or what has been done here with a couple of different companies uh, or what Regeneron's worked on, it still has to go through these protocols that take a tremendous amount of time. And like I said, if anything was that promising, the funding would come in a second. I don't think that you don't need the NFL for that. There's plenty of companies out there that would jump to get a piece of that. I mean, in a second, if it showed that kind of, uh, you know, uh, efficiency. But I don't know what you're saying that it could be. It's already been used on humans. I mean, because that, then it's a little farther along. So it's not a secret by then. Back after this, and just looking up what, what that last caller said, it sounds like a company from uh, from England, Emergex, has already made a deal with them. Uh, so they already have the financing. They already made a deal. So that's usually the case for most of these studies is that someone jumps in because these companies, are, you know, they're looking to be the one. The one that comes through is going to make a lot of money. We all know that. There's a economic, you know, incentive along with everything else here. So uh, and there's a lot of companies, I'm sure, that are, you know, jumping in with financing whenever it's needed. I think it's more a time issue than it is a money issue for most of these uh, studies because they do take – Anywhere from at, at a speedy, uh, even if they're sped up. And I was reading a story today about how they've used the protocol uh, in the government to try to speed them up as quickly as they can without being unsafe. Uh, that they've tried to move as quickly as humanly possible with the vaccines. And still, you're looking at, on most of them, 12 to 15 months because that's how long these protocols take. You have to get through different stages and you have to keep growing the population with each stage. Otherwise, you know, they can't uh, prove that it really works, you know, and is safe to be utilized by a vast, you know, number of people. You're talking about, you know, they actually have the uh, 60 Minutes did a thing on how they already have the pipeline set up for the company that rings the bell, how they will make the drugs. And a lot of times it has to do with a vaccine where it's got to be delivered by injection. So you have to have all these other things ready to go. And they said they have, in some cases, they will have four and 500 airplanes ready to be packed and launched they're ready to have that all they have plans for that already in place where they will have 500 airplanes worth of the drug ready to be flown to all different parts of the world as soon as they get the okay that they can send it out uh and it it sounds like 
I don't know that this is only the case, but it sounds like it will not be in pill form, that it would be an injection form almost all the time because of what you're dealing with with the virus, that it would be injection. So there's a lot of the things that go into it that have to be dealt with in terms of refrigeration and uh, certain uh, timing issues and refrigeration on the planes and everything else. So it's a vast industry that has already been created and, and, and a distribution network that's already been put in place for whenever this does happen so they can get it around the world and get it moving and get people on it as quickly and then it's a question of how many people want to take it you don't have to take it like nobody can say to you you must take this you know you don't have to take it they they felt like they put a number out and they said that they felt not more than 70 to 75 percent of the people would ever take it i'm like wow i thought it would be much higher than that but they said no they said 70 to 70 percent would be maximum that would agree to take it uh mac in manhattan what's up mac Hey there, Mike. Uh, yes. Hey, thank you for uh, talking about your fondness and a long life well lived and career of uh, Carl Reiner, his uh, his daughter Annie and, and my mother are girlfriends going back to their days at, as BU Terriers and uh, been a guest in the Reiner home uh, many times over the years. And okay. as I mentioned a couple weeks back, uh, Claire Dane's father built the walls in our loft. But I have a cool story about two years ago, exactly this week, uh, I was going through a bad breakup. I was also working on a project in L.A., and um, I ran it was in a cinema poster store, and I saw a poster of The Jerk, and Carl Reiner directed Steve Martin yes, he did. in The Jerk. Yes, he did. And uh, it was one of my favorite films as a, as a young kid. I didn't even understand some of the humor in those, in those early 80s, but we'd always see it on reruns. So I got the poster, and I called my mother. I said, can you set me up for a brief pass-by, and I would love Mr. Reiner to Sharpie and sign something on this wonderful Jerk poster personalized to me. Two days later... I was at Mr. Reiner's house for lunch. I sat there, stories upon stories. He's a published author. He wrote about 20 books, Mike. They're all available on Amazon. He signed the wonderful jerk poster for me. He asked me how my grandmother was because she made it to 99 and a half around the same time. And um, then we got into talking baseball. He grew up on Belmont Avenue in the Bronx. So you'd assume he was a pinstriping Yankee fan. No. Mr. Reiner was a New York baseball giant fan. And his childhood visceral memories of Mel Lott and Carl Hubble sitting in his home in Beverly Hills were like he was back at the polo grounds. I wish there was a camera on us that day. Mike, we took a still photo. I'm looking at it right here. Well, that, that's it. it. Hey, listen, he had a great, and thanks for the call. He had a great life, 98 years old, you know, and again, incredibly productive. And his, his son has been obviously in, uh, very, very productive in his own right as not only an actor and a comedian but also and obviously having a role in the you know land you know landmark program you know groundbreaking program all in the family but uh as a you know guy making movies himself he's made a lot of movies and a lot of good movies he's made some very good movies as a matter of fact done a lot of good work robin and new canaan what's up robin Hey, Mike, how you doing today? Good, what's up? Um, what you just said, the apple clearly didn't fall far from the tree, and God bless them all. Yeah, but Rob Ryan is oh, very talented. He does a good job. Your opening comments when you, you talked about the, um, and I, I didn't catch it all, but the gambling site that's got some stuff going on with the Korean baseball, I have to challenge you a little bit. No, you can't. You can't cash that. You can't cash that check. You can't. Wait, you knew, you knew when you wagered that you were cheating them. 
Wait, but hold on a second, Mike. When does the gambling industry take their side of gambling? Why? That's not gambling. That's cheating. Well, I, I knew about, I don't know, 10 years ago, a bunch of college kids who figured out how to beat the online gambling stuff, the, the online poker stuff. And those sites all got shut down. Until well, listen, said, they found the I'm malfunction in the machine, but that's that's not gambling then. That is not gambling at that point. It's Listen, there is an ethics involved. When you wager... When you wager two hours after the game starts, do you think you are making a fair wager or are you trying to cheat somebody? Um, when someone sets the odds and we bet. Well, no, no, but they don't set the time. That is a mistake in their program. They don't, well, they, 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 that was a mistake that they made. That doesn't mean you can take advantage of it because they made a mistake. Well, Mike, that's their gamble. That's not a gamble. The gamble is for, the gamble is you're making a wager based on the outcome of the event. That's how you get paid. Because there's a malfunction in their machinery doesn't mean you should be paid. Okay, so if I go to OTB a couple of weeks ago and I bet on the guy who finished 30 lengths behind tis the law, that was a mistake. That's not that a mistake. Say, oh, no, that's not a mistake. See, this is listen. When they wagered, did they know they had an unfair advantage when they placed the bet? Yes or no? Okay, so I, wait a second. Let yes let or no? Let me finish. Let me finish. No, no. Wait a I second. Was, Just answer the I, question, Michael. I Goodbye. Thanks. Goodbye. Goodbye. If you can't answer that question, there's no more discussion. They obviously knew. The game was underway. There had been seven runs scored, and they're betting a total of eight in the second inning. They were cheating is what they were doing. I didn't say they went in there to cheat, but they went. They saw an opportunity to take an unfair advantage, and then they expect to be paid for it. That's not gambling. Gambling is I have a fair shot, you have a fair shot on the outcome of the event. When they put that wager in, they knew that they were taking unfair advantage of the person that was booking the bet. Now, if you say they're liable, they're the company, all right, you want to take that point of view? Go ahead. I don't think the Nevada Gaming Commission will take that point of view. I think they'll invalidate the bet, which they should, because they bet on events that were over. How is that fair? That's illegal. They knew what they were doing. They knew they were gaming the system. Now, I didn't say they went in there intentionally to cheat, but when they saw that they had an unfair advantage in the wager, they still made it. They didn't say, ah, oh, we can't do that. That's, I mean, come on, that's ridiculous. But, be, but every wager is stamped. As a time, and the time was stamped an hour and 40 minutes after the game started. So they knew the wager was invalid. That's why it's stamped. Listen, they have to fix their machinery. All right? And I'm not saying they should be punished for doing it. They just showed to me a lack of ethics. That's all they showed. I'm not doing anything to them. I'm not, you know doing anything to them. I'm not giving them any trouble or anything like that. But they can't expect to cash 
a hundred and fifty thousand dollar wager or whatever it was, because when they when they were able to wager on games that were started two hours before they got the bet in, I mean that's not fair. That's not gambling. You know, there's there is a code with gambling where you know that it should be fair when you make the wager. You shouldn't get cheated, and the other side shouldn't get cheated. And if you can't answer whether they got an unfair advantage when they knew the score of the game in the sixth inning before they made the bet, come on. You can't even say that with a straight face. The game was two-thirds over before they made the wager. Casamigos Tequila uh, sponsors the program, as always. Brought to you by those who drink it. Uh, have a nice weekend, everybody. Uh, we will. Uh, well, weekend. What am I saying? Have a nice weekend. It's Tuesday already. I'm thinking we're on the weekend already. Here we are. It's Tuesday night. I was thinking it's Fourth of July already. It's not. It's uh, June 30th. So I knew tomorrow it's July 1st. We got three more days. Tomorrow's an anniversary day. Uh, it's the 33rd anniversary of the fan. That's why we have a special show. That's what I was thinking about. So a uh, couple more days before the weekend. Three more. We'll be here, all of them. And then the Fourth of July, obviously, is on Saturday. So don't have a nice weekend yet. We've got a couple of days left, but uh, we do have a special show tomorrow because it is the uh, anniversary of the fan, the 33rd anniversary. I think they got some special things going all day. I think they also have them going all weekend, uh, and I think I got they, some stuff tomorrow also because of the fact that the station started on at 3 p.m. on uh, July 1st, 1987, which uh, tomorrow is the 33rd uh, anniversary. So enjoy your evening, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 